Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. We are offering three conversations from our wrap-up episode for last week's Fourth Global Nash Congress. This conversation focuses on how long it will take for new medicines and non-invasive testing to become pivotal in treatment and what steps that process will take. Six of the seven people who participated in our coverage had things to say about this topic. Each one makes an appearance in this abbreviated recording. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the conversation on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Last week, close to 175 stakeholders from across the global fatty liver community convened to hear 43 speakers address a range of NASH and NAFLD issues at the fourth Global NASH Conference. Join hepatology researchers and key opinion leaders Professor Manal Abdelmalik, Drs. Naeem Alkuri and Ian Rowe, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and GenFit Global Diagnostics leader Sunil Hosmain as they review key issues and concepts that emerged from the Congress. Today on the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. What was the most exciting thing you think discussed? And in that regard, we'll take into play now what the discussions were, what we each know in general. For the audience at that meeting, what was the most exciting or the most promising discussion about drugs or a drug or where things were going you found in that meeting? And if you were an attendee that didn't have the knowledge that, say, leading researchers have, what would you make of all that? I guess the thing that, that piqued my interest most was the cyclophilin inhibitor, which is a, developed as an antifibrotic, and not just for NASH, but for all liver diseases, because that is the greatest unmet need that we have have treating all patients and if we could prevent disease progression from significant fibrosis to cirrhosis and indeed reverse cirrhosis then that would be a huge step forward for all patients with significant liver disease and you know there are many of those with unmet needs outside of the NASH space. I mean I think if I was completely naive to the development of therapeutics in NASH I would I would come out of the meeting thinking that, that there were lots of promising targets there were lots of drugs in development and that we will have a drug to treat patients with NASH and significant fibrosis quite soon thinking maybe in the next 18 months or two years hopefully and I think that's quite different to the feeling that I might have got if I'd been to the meeting perhaps 12 or 18 months ago where the where the, where the feeling was less optimistic I think. I agree with the Ian optimism I think 2020 despite COVID and everything it was a good year for NASH drug development we saw the data with the semaglutide or NASH resolution uh, close to 60% we saw promising data with the PAM-PPAR inhibitor and Ventiva and Manal is one of the lead authors on that paper where you had both NASH resolution and fibrosis regression and that was significantly better than placebo and the, the high dose lanafibrinor we saw the data obviously with resmitarum and now they're enrolling almost done uh, for the phase three. So hopefully we'll have these results. If everything goes according to plan, that would be probably the first drug in 2023. We have data on other agents, FGF19, FGF21. You know, when I used to talk to my diabetes colleagues about FGF21, just a few months back, they were not really 
too excited about it, though like it didn't really pan out in diabetes. To see all the, the potency and efficacy data now with companies like Akiro 89 Bio, it's looking very promising. I think not all FGF21s are created equal. You know, it has to do with the signaling pathways that they target and the receptors that they target. But, uh, you know, this is one uh, therapeutic uh, target that I'm excited about, especially with the serotic cohort with the Akiro. I mean, that was powerful, you know, uh, regardless of how you think about it, small sample size, obviously limited study. But to see that regression in serotics, that was uh, very hopeful for me. So I think uh, the pipeline is looking pretty good. Safety remains the, the biggest challenging question. We need more data on that. You can't really generate the data you need from a phase 2B. So phase 3 will be very revealing. We're looking at things like cardiac toxicity, bone toxicity, drug-induced liver injuries always on our mind. So a lot to talk about, but I am optimistic. I think, I do believe 2023 will be the year we have the first FDA-approved national drug. I think patient selection also, we're getting closer and closer to saying goodbye to liver biopsy. My hope is that 2022 will be the year that we can say goodbye to biopsy. And then 2023 will be the year when we say welcome to the first NASH drug. Wow. I, I agree with all that's been said. I, I, I render some pause only with the, the timeline. Here, you guys are really ambitious. And the reason I rendered some pause and the head nod is while the drugs maybe show early evidence of promise and efficacy, I still think we have to overcome this hurdle of surrogate markers and endpoints from a regulatory standpoint. And I project here, you know, 22, 23 time horizon for me is looking more like 24, 25. But maybe I'm, I'm struggling with can we get there because we still are grappling with the surrogates to the histology and to the ability to achieve registration endpoints. If we can't achieve registration endpoints, even though there's early proof of concept and even even safety, we're not going to be able to cross this hurdle. And I've said this before, I think for biomarker development, we're validating these biomarkers against a surrogate. We're developing surrogates of a surrogate, and I think we, we have to potentially rethink this to develop a surrogate against the outcome because we're using the histology as the gold standard by which to validate our non-invasive biomarkers. And I think that's one step removed from really the primary goal. So I see some regulatory hurdles here that I'd like to see fall by the wayside for us to get to that 22-23 timeline that you're proposing. And I think it's going to be potentially a little bit beyond that. My inclination will be to split the difference. I think the drugs might make it in 23. I can't see biopsy and a biopsy coming in 22. And now you raise an interesting question, but I'm of two minds. If you can improve a surrogate biomarker by making it a more stable, reliable surrogate with less internal error to it, have you accomplished enough or not? And if the answer is yes, then I think we can get there from here without worrying about histology. Problem with ultimately having to lay up a surrogate marker against the clinical outcomes, given how slow the progression of the disease is, is that could be a decade or more. I think there's going to need to be some, some intellectual argument about if you get a cleaner, more predictable surrogate, is that a better surrogate without even worrying about what it does to the endpoints? Because we don't know what any of this does to the endpoints. I think the uh, data that came out of this Congress, and you can roll it into all the data that you've seen for NITs, but we always say the biopsy has some variability, it introduces a bias, and I, I think that's true, but I think we kind of know quantitatively what 
what it is. If you look at even really sophisticated proteomics, multi-panel systems, right, where you're saying, I don't care about cost. I just want to get as close to truth as I can get. You see OROCs around 0.85, 0.86. I think you're asymptoted with, you know, that's the asymptote, I think, of what you can expect to achieve. I think 0.9 may be the highest you can ever do. And that 0.1 that you're missing is introduced through noise from the biopsy. So I think in some sense, we know how good we could get on that. That's my opinion. So we shouldn't try to do better is my point. I mean, if we're saying we need 0.95, that, that's, that's, that's hopeless. So be comfortable with what you can achieve. I think that it could be a multi-stage strategy. I'll, I'll give an example. I don't know if anyone's doing this, but you don't have to have the, the final, final answer. Like having correlation association to outcomes, hard outcomes is where we want to go. It'll take time. We don't even have that for other trials. So that's a separate issue. But the FDA do accept regression to cirrhosis as a soft marker, if you want to call it that, right? We've seen with Stellar 3 as an example, like, you know, they've used, you take your pick, you can take FibriScan, ELF, just, just for this conversation. And, and we know that certain, they built Kaplan-Meier curves and they know that if you have a certain level of, of something, is it 11.25 on ELF? I don't know what, what the number is, that you have a higher risk of progression to cirrhosis as an example. And they've done something similar, I hope, with FibriScan. If you have that information and you've had that Kaplan-Meier curve built onto the Gilead study, all it takes is one or two other studies to replicate that in their study. Regenerate can achieve that. They have that data to support it. Madrigal can repeat that. They have the data to support it. Now you have at least enough data to support a conversation with the FDA. I think you can do it. I don't know if those groups are working in concert, but they could. So could you do it? I think you could. There's a lot of ifs there. Does the data replicate? Maybe it doesn't, right? In which case you got to go back to the drawing board. But if it does, you you have you have a conversation that you can have. And, and I know the FDA is highly objective. And, and if you share that data, they're going to ask you certain questions. How did you enroll your population? Are there major differences? Uh, you know, what did the data look like specifically? If you aggregate it together, what does it look like? But that's just my my one view is, is, is taking sort of like this approach. It, it's not without its troubles, right? But I think it's doable. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com or join the discussion on our uh, LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. We'll be back next week with a new episode and fresh content. Hope you'll join us then. Until then, stay safe. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Thank you.